0: Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. So I wanna just welcome all of our amazing listeners that are out there in the world. Welcome to Start By Listening. It is a uh, season two wrap up with uh, our clinical team today. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, and before we get started and everybody introduces themselves, just wanna let everybody know that um, we're coming to you live from our homes and our work. And you might hear dogs, you might hear cats, you might hear kids. I hear phones, and it's just all part of being real and uh, being a therapist in 2022 during a global pandemic. (sighs) Yeah, global pandemic. So, what I'd like to do today is I want all of this amazing uh, clinical team to introduce themselves and just give us a little information about who you are and. Whatever you feel that Start By Listening listeners would like to know about you. So who wants to go first?
1: Pick me. Pick me. Okay. All right, Becky, you're
0: chosen. You are chosen.
1: My name is Becky Roby, and I'm the clinical coordinator at New Beginnings. Um, I have been on the show a couple times, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Information is amazing. Jennifer is amazing, and I'm glad that we can provide this podcast to you, amazing listeners as well. And I'm going to throw in "amazing" a couple more times. Um, so, what do I want you guys to know about me? Um, I've been at New Beginnings. I'm thinking like twelve-ish years. Um, I'm continuing to learn every day. I am far from perfect, and I'm trying to be as open as possible in our journey to learning not only from myself, but from the team, um, from our clients, from other coworkers. Hmm. I'm the mother of two fur babies. um, So you may hear them pouncing around. And two non-fur babies um, who are the biggest teachers of all time. And hmm, in a nutshell, um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Becky.
2: All right, let's go I'll go. Um, my name is Aliyah Rogers. I have been at New Beginnings in, since January. Uh, I'm a crisis counselor here at New Beginnings. I'm temporarily temporarily on the road to get my licensure to practice therapy. So that's why I am working with the clinical team, you know, becoming more educated and learning from these wonderful people that I work with. Um, I am probably the proudest cat mom you'll ever meet. I got two fur babies at the house. Uh, I love them dearly. And I'm probably the biggest Lilo and Stitch fanatic you'll find. So that's about it.
0: Oh, we are so glad to have you, Aaliyah. And this is, y'all, this is Aaliyah's first time on the podcast. So make sure you show her love. Welcome, welcome. All right. Who's next?
3: I'll go. Okay. And I have about 20 years of experience with new beginnings, being a board member, a volunteer, and a therapist and a crisis counselor. I am, I have four kiddos and I have uh, a great Dane who is bigger than some of the kiddos and um, that's about it.
4: That's me.
0: (laughs) Glad to have you here, Crystal.
4: I can go. Okay. Um, My name is Tara Gann and I'm one of the therapists at New Beginnings too. and I have been with New Beginnings for 15 years. Um, working in this area. This is my first time on the podcast too as well. So super excited to join today. Um, I'm proud of our therapist, Jennifer, who has developed this and and made this part of our um, agency. You know, I love that I work at an agency that continues to strive to do very well um, reaching our clients and bettering the work that we can do with clients working with trauma victims.
0: Welcome.
4: Glad you're here. I'm Marcy Boris. I'm
5: one of the therapists here. I've been on the podcast several times this year and it's been such a wonderful experience to be able to work with Jennifer on the podcast and um, you Jennifer you just do an amazing job um (laughs) well thank you (laughs) so um let's see I've been at New Beginnings almost three years which that's crazy to me that it's been almost three years um I have more fur babies than I will admit it's a zoo (laughs) um and um I have two non-fur babies so that's me
0: wow you know we are all very different right and we share so many similarities isn't that interesting wow and I just can't help but notice that the longevity of Tara and Becky and Crystal you know with being with this agency um and that's pretty cool because you know Not everybody can say, you know, I've been a trauma therapist for 12 years, (laughs) for 10 years, for, for been with an agency that works in trauma for 20 years. You know, not everybody can say that because it is not for those who are not willing to do their work (laughs) for sure. Well, Y'all know that season two was, uh, I took it back to the basics and was kind of like a, uh, an eighties theme, right. With just like back to the future kind of thing, but it has been an interesting year, um, on the podcast. And the last time I looked for the life of the podcast, which has been two seasons, there have been almost 2000 downloads. And I'm like, that is a lot of downloads for a podcast that's located in Owensboro, Podunk, Kentucky. (laughs) I'm just, that's amazing. You know, um, and season two was really, really interesting. We talked about boundaries. We talked about feelings. We talked about sexually reactive behaviors we talked about Sexual Assault Awareness Month and a whole host of other things. Um, and not only did we get, provide education, but what was really interesting for this season is that the second podcast was like application. So it's like, okay, now we know what it is, but how do we do it? Or what do we do with that information? Which I thought was a really interesting like, twist on that. Um, especially for some of our more spicier topics. Um, And so, you know, Becky and Marcy were definitely co-hosts. And so was Emily, which she couldn't join us today. She's another therapist with New Beginnings. Um, I'm just curious. The past year. With all of the work that we as a clinical team have been doing on Ourselves on implementing a polyvagal theory and a shift from you know talk therapy to more body practice therapy, and with our most recent, I'm going to say training in air quotes, which was really two days of intensive therapy done to us (laughs) by Michelle Chalfant when we did the adult chair. I'm just curious if you look back over the last year gosh, what do you guys think? What do you feel? What do you notice? I think that question
1: and Jennifer, you and I have talked about it. It's like the more work you do for me personally, the harder it feels because your awareness level on different things that you want to work on different feelings, whether you were working with a client and you want to stay anchored, or if you're working with your kids and you're co-regulating, the more knowledge you know, then there is implementing, just like in your podcast. So it's, I feel like there was like I'm cruising along, and then there's heels, and then things flatten out, and then we're good, and then um something new comes up and it's extremely challenging. And so for me, I often question myself, like, man. Do things need to be this hard, whether it's parenting or even if it's a situation at work ethically? And my answer to that is yes, it is because the more I know the different facets or approaches that I could take, the more informed I am, and it seems to not make it harder, but more difficult, more challenging, more thorough um, implementation. Did these things make sense? What I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. it's, it's not like what, um, 20 year old me was like, I'm just going to do this and then I'm going to have this knowledge and it'll be easy and I'll slay it and it'll be great. Nope. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to therapy and then I'm going to have kids and, and, you know, whatever life choices that we decide to make. And then it's like, I'm trying to do this, the healthiest version that I possibly can. Some days I rock it. Some days I flunk the shit out of it and fail and cry. And, you know, and then that's like the next day you did it all over again. So it's these, and then you learn from the day before. And I think that's the hardest part, the trying, the awareness, and then the ability to do it over again and accept and not judge um, where you're at. And, and I'm not going to lie, the judgment part, that's super hard, because I will absolutely be like, fuck, I really messed that up. <laughs> but then learning to let that go and then, and then try again.
0: Oh, I agree with you a million percent. Like you're speaking my language and, you know, what the listeners can't see is that we all share differences and similarities, like I said, but all of us are in different stages of our adult lives and all of us are in different places. And in the last year, we all have endured and battled different things, right? Um, and it is very much a true statement. Like you said, there are days that I'm like, oh, man, I fucking rock that man, you know, and then there are other days where I'm like, oh, why do I even exist today? Like, what? what? Oh. <laughs> there are days I've cried. There are days I've screamed. There are days I have withdrawn right? Gone into dorsal and just, uh, somebody gave me the idea of turtling. I turtled, you know, when a turtle just goes into its shell. Yeah. And I think the
5: more that we've learned, especially this year, the more that we've learned about our nervous system and being able to identify where we're at has been Personally and professionally, extremely useful. Um, you know, to be able to say, okay, I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting in my sympathetic part of my nervous system, and, you know, that's not really where I want to be, or, you know, and then being able to adapt some coping skills to help move out of that. And the knowledge that, you know, when we learn about it, that we should be able to move in and out and not get stuck. Um, I think this year's been a lot of growth. Um, I, for me, I, I, I will say it's been a lot of growth for me. It's been a lot of stretching and pulling and growing. And I look back over the last year and I'm like, whoa, like, it, it's just to me, the, the knowledge and the changes and, you know, the practices, it's phenomenal. So, and You know, we're very fortunate um, that we have the support of our clinical team. Our whole agency is great, but also our clinical team is extremely, I mean, we're close and we are there for each other. And um, I think that support helps that, you know, you've got people backing you up and cheering you on um, and willing to pick you up or even you know, tell you the truth about some things that you don't want to hear. So, and those are all so important. Yeah, honesty.
4: I would say for me, I have recognized, you know, doing more self-awareness with myself and then looking at work I have done with my clients that I'm now recognizing you can't rush the process. You know, when I'm working with my clients, it's, you know, implement these skills, um, do these techniques, let's process this, you know, you've been in therapy for eight months to a year, and sometimes that is not enough, and going through my own stuff, I'm recognizing that feelings linger, and there is no time period, and there is no time process, and one trauma may take longer to get over versus... The other trauma. So to be patient and know that you can't rush things and it truly is, you know, like the, the example and what they say, it's like the waves of the ocean. You know, some days it's just a small little current and then the other days, you know, the wave comes and it crashes and it sets you back a little bit. But knowing, you know, to be more self-aware of what my clients are doing and when they're not making The progress, you know, a year into therapy that I feel like maybe they should be making, and then I take it personal, like what am I not doing to help them get to the place they need to be, when in all honesty, they are where they're supposed to be, they're processing their feelings in that present moment, instead of rushing through those feelings to get to the other side, and I have learned personally that I just have to process how I feel on that day. And if those feelings linger for six months, they linger for six months. Mm -hmm. But eventually I will get to the other side and it doesn't matter who tries to motivate me or tell me what to do, or you should be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that, or you need to work harder. I have to go through those feelings and experience that before I can get to the skills, techniques that I need to be doing, but I can't rush the Feeling part that none of us like to feel the the shitty feelings the yucky feelings the i can't rush those things and neither can clients neither can oh, they
0: no that's wow that's beautifully put tara and so true and you know um that's all about polyvagal it's like we can't feel our feelings until we embody safety in our in our nervous system to where it's safe enough to be able to feel that and move it through. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful journey.
3: Um, I will say that sometimes getting better faster than other people, whatever you want to think is getting better, like mental health, getting more farther in advance than the people you're around is sometimes difficult um and being with people who are severely traumatized but do not like feeling those feelings um is difficult like not as a client but as people around you that you know um one of the things I've been doing a lot this year and my goal was to become decolonized as much as I possibly can in my thinking and it is it can be very hard if you feel like that the decolonization decolonization that you're learning, if you take it as um, disrespect, I guess, Uh, as a white person living in a white dominated um, world, it's hard to hear those things. It's hard to um, unlearn things. And I feel like I've done it, but I keep unlearning things every day. TikTok helps with that. But there's so much now that I have knowledge of and I understand what's happening. And I'm at the part where I want to do some help. I want to like actively do something about it, not just learn. And um, that next step is going to be, I don't know, I've got some ideas, but it's going to be hard because I don't want to fall into the, uh, well, we know the white savior complex, the um, taking any, like, I don't want any, um, accolades for what I plan on doing. And, um, that's hard. Uh, even my husband was like, so you're not gonna have your name involved at all. I'm like, no, I don't. I want to give it what I, I, I'm planning on a performance that centers BIPOC women or men. And, um, I want BIPOC person to produce it, to create it, to, and I want, typically this doesn't happen in entertainment, but all the money to be spread out to them, except for expenses. So I want to bring that to Orangeboro to, that's the only thing I can think of that I can do as far as Orangeboro goes and bringing people here that people haven't seen and watching performances that they may be more open to if they enjoy themselves and doing a little education at, at these shows. So um, yeah, I've, I've been growing with that, but it's hard because a lot of people around you are not there and they don't understand it. They don't understand why I believe the way I believe. And anyway, that that's probably been my growth and relationship and, and, um, and all that helps me with therapy, obviously. <laughs> uh, and, and when I have a client who is open to Learning about the patriarchal patriarchy and how it affects all of us, it affects men too, and learning about um, how these, how capitalism and all these, this is all trauma that we all live through every day, and a lot of people have no idea. Um, but not everybody's open to that, so I don't push it on anybody. But if somebody starts talking about these things to me, I feel like it's important to be explained to them that. We are humans and we were not meant to work and do the way we're doing right now, in my opinion. We just were not made for this. And it is affecting all of us. So anyway, that's the kind of stuff I like to learn about
0: <laughs> and teach about. <laughs> Aw, I love it. And you're right. It is, it is an everyday of unlearning and then learning something new, Crystal.
2: Yeah. Well, with me... I completely agree with Crystal within that whole conversation. Um, but with me, I really, like she said, growing individually, just working here at new beginnings, the last couple of months, I would, I saw my growth both personally of learning the awareness of myself and professionally, and it has been extremely beneficial for me as an individual. Um, to the point where I'm finding all these things about myself, and I'm becoming aware of different feelings and thoughts that I'm having, and I'm sharing it with others. And sometimes it doesn't sit to settling with other people. Um, so that is something that I, you know, try to educate others about. And I, sometimes at times I struggle about with others. Um, but that is, One thing that I am taking for myself, finding awareness of my feelings, my thoughts, my beliefs, and being able to be my true authentic self and hopefully guiding other people to be their true authentic selves. Even though we live in a world that sometimes isn't acceptable for all types of people, especially certain people going through traumatic experiences is very, very difficult and very hard. So, yeah.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful awareness you had, Leah. And uh, yeah, when people come to new beginnings um, and, you know, I've been here going on five years and yeah, it is life changing and you learn a lot about yourself and it's, it's amazing.
2: Y'all are a different breed of people. I swear, like (laughs) this agency is a whole different type of environment that I've never been in. So it's, it's really, really beneficial personally, like I said, professionally also, but like coming here, it was like a culture shock. Mm -hmm. It's totally different. And I, I love it so much and I'm glad to be here. I really am. So
0: yeah, here at the beginning is it's like, um, I said this today when I was in a session with a client, I said, uh, we do what we ask our clients to do, you know, so You know, you're going to, if you see me out in public, you know, you might see me breathing. You might see me moving my body. You might see me dancing in the middle of Kroger. I mean, because in that moment, that's what I need to do. You know, it's like we are our most authentic selves for sure.
3: Um, I think it's because we operate from a very social worky type uh, paradigm. It's... You know, your work affects you. Your home affects you. All these things in your life affect you, and we have to get through this together, kind of thing. It's we would not be able to do this job if we weren't in this type of. We could do it; it just wouldn't be done as well, and we would be suffering if we didn't work in this type of environment.
1: Oh, for sure. It's it's crazy because the word that pops up for me is connection. Like even this week. Um, I utilized my self-care hours and I went to a yoga class. And so I'm handing the yoga instructor my piece of paper for her to sign that acknowledges that I came to class. And then um, that's all it took for someone to say, well, where do you work at? And of course, I'm very much going to be open and honest and talk about new beginnings, the connections that were made. And she was like, my daughter is a same nurse in Montana and she's looking to come back home. And then this dialogue that just ensued about um, same nurses, which are su- sexual assault nurse examiners. Um, this conversation that this mother and I had were, was all about she's wanting to move home and what kind of connections she could have here and jobs. And it was just like everyone in class, just even though we were having our own subset conversation, was kind of chime in and asking questions. So in the 10 minutes before class educated some some people about New beginnings, insane. Made a connection, and I'm hoping that this person, when they move, reaches out to um, maybe our center or some of the other agencies, um, so she can use her skills here that are that are greatly needed. And you know, and and on the way home, I was like, that's crazy. Like that just happened so effortlessly. Um. So being open about my job, which a lot of people, they don't want to hear because you're going to get the responses of, oh, and then they kind of turtle in, like Jennifer said, and they, or and then they kind of slink away because they're like, hey, I'm not talking to that lady. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Uh, for multiple reasons. They may do that because they're extremely uncomfortable or maybe they're a survivor and and they think that I can see through them or label them or identify them as a trauma survivor. Other people are extremely interested in wanting to grow and learn and connect and engage in a conversation. And so that's just like a teeny tiny part of the day that opens up because we have the ability to explore some self-care hours at work, which turn into that conversation. This is just crazy to me, just to sit and reflect on that for five minutes.
0: That is. Anyways, anyways. That's pretty cool, that's awesome that you had that experience. You know, I was sitting here and Crystal had mentioned TikTok and you know that Crystal you've been learning a lot of decolonization on TikTok. And you know, I too love TikTok and there are good things on TikTok and then there are not so good things on TikTok. Um, But it was really interesting uh, this morning before I got to work, um, I was scrolling. And there's a TikToker that likes to do videos of trauma-informed, I'm going to use the word gurus. And so they had posted something with Gabor Matei this morning, and it was entitled Compassionate Inquiry. And I was like, my little ears like, ooh, compassionate inquiry? Like, ooh, what is that? And um. He was on zoom and I don't know if it was a class that he was doing with like his latest endeavor, wisdom of trauma, but it was interesting. He asked this gentleman who said, Hey, you know, use me as the guinea pig. He asked him like, what do you want to talk about? It was just five minute conversation, just five minute conversation. And this guy was like, I want to talk about how guilty I feel for screwing up my kids and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I don't have kids, but I like to watch things. And he thought his kids are like 10 and 12, he said. And he was an addict, you know, and is in recovery, and blah, 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 blah. And he just feels so guilty for screwing him up. And Gabor stopped him and said, I have a question. <laughs> he said, Guys, like, okay. He said, uh, When did your parents start working on? their trauma (laughs) (laughs) and uh the guy you know they zoom back in on him and his eyes are like huge right and he was like uh never you know like and Gabor Matei said oh okay and so this guilt he said how long have you had guilt and uh the guy's like I don't know what do you mean he goes well guilty about screwing up your kids like how long have you felt that way and this guy was amazing he said well before I ever had kids I thought oh my god if I have kids I'm going to screw them up and he goes wow he goes then he says why are you placing that guilt upon your children then if that's yours why are you placing it on them and if you had it before you ever had kids is it really about your kids and you could see like this shift you know And I was like, that is interesting, compassionate inquiry. And then, of course, I wrote it down because I'm such a nerd. I'm like, oh, I got to look into that. Like, is there, you know, more about that? But he also did something remarkable in that moment. He really did a somatic experience with this gentleman and had him felt sense into that guilt and give it a color, give it a shape, give it something, Um, you know, which is what we do, right, with our clients to help them to process. And, um, it was just really neat to, to see in real time, like a shift. And then I know that we see that with our clients. I'm not saying we see that every day, every client, but, um, something I've done the past year is really worked on my own nervous system so that I could be more regulated and I found that the more regulated I am, the more regulated my clients are. And it's interesting. But energy follows energy, right? And we are energetic beings. And so much now that um, my 86-year-old mother, gotta love her spicy, she will say, Your nervous system is really revved up. Do you need to calm that shit down? (laughs) She can talk so much about nervous system, y'all. It's hilarious. Or she'll say, "You're setting my nervous system on edge," and I'll say, "Uh, "I'm not doing anything. That is all on you." I said, "Maybe you should be doing some deep (laughs) breathing."
3: Can you send me that TikTok?
0: Yes, I will send you that TikTok.
3: Anybody else want me to send them that TikTok? I like what you So I'm like, I'm going to do that.
0: <laughs> so I think it's interesting,
5: you know, you mentioned the the more regulated you are in the energy with the clients, because Becky and I had that same conversation earlier this week as to, you know, the difference that I've seen in my clients as I have become more regulated through this year. Um, and so, I mean, I totally agree what you're saying. I mean, it totally works. And, you know, being able to get in a a mindset of being able to be that calm, you know, even for that hour that you're with somebody to be able to help them through their journey, I think is so important.
0: Uh, not only that, but it was hilarious because... I found out that on Monday, like Mars was in Pluto's retrograde or some weird energy was going on. And y'all like I sent out how many emails about my damn cell phone. Like I lost my cell phone and I have not lost my cell phone in months since I got medicated for my ADHD. So I was stressed the hell out. Right. And my client is here. And they walk in and they look at me and they're like, hey, how are you? And I, I told Becky this too. I said, told my client, I cannot lie to you because my nervous system will not allow me to lie. Right now, I am very stressed out because I have lost my phone. And to see the look on the client's face, they're like, what? You know? And I said, and I know it's going to be okay. But in this moment, I, my nervous system is up here. And in therapy world, we're going to call that a rupture, right? Is it the beginning of session? And so I said, is it okay with you if, if, if we just sit down and I'm going to do some deep breaths to calm my nervous system? If you want to join me, you can. If you don't want to, that's okay. But So I can be in a good space for you. This is what I need to do. So right there in that moment, I am acknowledging. I'm not hiding it because energy is going to recognize energy. I am demonstrating skills to help regulation. And offering voice and choice if they want to join, right? And I'm repairing, just all like that.
6: Uh And
0: uh, yeah. And was I 100% in ventral? Hell no. But did I have a toe? Yes. And that's all we need as a clinician. We just need a toe in ventral. That's all it takes.
3: Well, and I would dare say that 10 years ago, people would have said that was inappropriate of you to do because it's, it's disclosing. And I know we do some self-disclosure, but I mean, I think it's amazing that you do that, but Mm -hmm. I think that it's new and it's great and good job.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. I mean, I was a spaz on Monday. I mean, I was forgetting so much shit and I'm like, I even took my medicine today. What is going on? Like medicine, are you like D- betraying me, <laughs> no, it was just Mars and Pluto or whatever. But I did find my phone, that was good. So, um, yeah, my client said, hey, If you have an iPhone, have you tried that? Uh, find my iPhone. I was like, What is that? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Thank you,
3: <laughs> it has saved my life so many times. Rodney has it on, like, whatever. Quick dial where's your <laughs> phone? <laughs>
0: But that's just one example of when we're in a space that is not ventral, which is feeling safe and connected, or as some people might call calm, peaceful, right? Like if I had not acknowledged that, I I dare say that session would have gone very different, right? Because energy matches energy and they're going to ramp up. Um, But yeah, it's like, I acknowledge where I am in my nervous system, and offer repairs.
6: Uh, even
0: several weeks ago, I was trying to do EMDR, <laughs> oh, and uh, there was mowing going on and knocking on doors, and it was it was not a it was, and I'm, I just said this is a huge rupture. We're not going to be able to do this in this moment. I'm so sorry. Um, let's just shift some gears and let's do some resources to get our nervous systems back. Because I too, then I was set on edge because I knew what was supposed to occur. Client knew what was supposed to happen. They were ready and prepared, right? And boom, it didn't happen. So we had to acknowledge that and, and repair that rupture. Um, yeah, it's all just been a journey of learning about self, and it's amazing how those little tendrils, right of energy just whoo
1: just go out. So then, so a question. What if you are acknowledging a rupture that's not a rupture for somebody else and then you are making it something? Because your awareness level is so much greater than somebody
2: else's.
0: Well, interesting, because I've talked about polyvagal and done the nervous system work. And so the way I usually say is like, I've had a rupture. Like I'll acknowledge I've had a rupture or I created a rupture. If it's the reverse, then I'll say, "Ooh, I'm wondering, I'm sorry, can we hold on a second? I'm feeling a little something here. I wonder if you're feeling anything in this moment to like, if the client had a rupture, you know, and that gives them the opportunity to yay or nay. So my office is right next to the
1: bathroom door. So when I would do EMDR, I eventually put on that bathroom door, please do not use EMDR session is happening next door because the door would be a constant rupture for me. Mm -hmm. But what I would notice is it wasn't a rupture for my clients. So, Mm -hmm. This doesn't happen anymore because, as the clinical coordinator, I don't, I mean, I have, I'm involved clinically in a lot of different scenarios, um, but for me to have a consistent ongoing caseload doesn't happen. However, if it was and I was engaging in polyvagal work like I'm doing now, then that means I would be stopping to do ruptures all the time. I then become a rupture for my client if they're not even aware enough to identify the rupture. So then it's more my issue, but then it becomes their issue because. So, at what point, Jennifer, do you, at what point do you, like, identify that within and then know, excuse me, am I creating things for my client that they're not even aware of? How much do I handle within and internally or even after the session?
0: Pick up what I'm putting down. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a damn good question. Um. And my answer is like, I, I don't know hundred percent, but kind of like if I'm sensing something from the client and I'm watching body language, I'm, I'm figuring like, are they aware of this? Are they not aware of this? Um, if they are aware, do they not want to say anything? Like there's so many nuances, right? Yeah.
3: It, it, because what if it, would it seem like a deception if you was visibly shaken and didn't know if they understand that, mm-hmm. would they see that as a not a betrayal, but like, I don't know something was going on with her, but she's not saying.
1: Like, oh, or oh, my therapist is crazy. Like <laughs> she's noticing all these things and I don't even hear what the hell she's talking about. And she's stopping yeah. our session. She's the rupture, which is, you know, true if I'm completely unregulated. But then to see, you could open up that conversation, you know, to the client, like what do you notice as I'm becoming um, distracted or see this rupture? How does that impact you? Oh yeah, it very much takes over the conversation of our entire session. And then I guess you could just use it as an educational talking point.
0: Oh, Deb Dana would fully approve of that. I would figure, I mean. Oh yeah, oh yeah. um, But I also would have to say like, I don't know if I could exist next to the bathroom because yeah, that would be too much. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Cause I'm hypervigilant anyway. I have a special issue in my office that can be distracting at times, but I can't help it because it's the way my building's made, but I have to have my sound machine pretty loud and sometimes sound machines can be distracting. Um, hmm so it's yeah
0: it's hard it um, is hard and you know too I think just to acknowledge that we're doing the best we can with what we have right we just are and um I, I don't know any human that would not understand that part we're doing the best we can
5: mm-hmm. yeah I think those things are kind of like what you say at the beginning of each podcast this is real this is how things go you may hear whatever sounds, um, you know, I think that that's something that I know I've um, adopted, you know, because I still work at home a couple of days a week and do some telehealth, and so that's something that I've always set up, like, I may have to, you know, go get the dog to quit barking because they think someone's here, so, or yell at the dog or something, but, um, you know, I think that's that's one of those things we just kind of acknowledge the that this is just real life and we go with it. Yeah.
6: That's
1: an excellent point. Completely different topic of conversation. How did Tara escape your podcast with all of her amazing knowledge um, since she actually worked with juveniles who were charged with sex, sexual offenses. And and does a lot of, and did a lot of trauma treatment work on identifying um, patterns.
4: No, I do- wanted to do the one on boundaries, and I think it was taken pretty quick. And then it was just, I don't know what happened. I have no idea. Season three. Tara, who trained season three, you? Season three to be continued. <laughs> who trained
3: you on your juvenile sex offender treatment program,
4: stuff? It was a program. His name was... Um, Oh, I can't think of his first name. I'd have to get it out. I been at the same person. It. It, it was through the University of Louisville. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was. Older through there guy. For them. No, he wasn't oh. older. His last name was like Christie or Chris. Um, I mean, it's been a while. I can't think of his, his name exactly, but it was through the University of Louisville. So it was like a whole week training.
3: I did that same one.
4: Yeah, that I went for. Mm-hmm. Well, look, oh. Crystal and Tara. Worked with the
3: offenders. Yeah. That's what I did right for I in the New Beginnings. Actually, I started volunteering for New Beginnings to offset my feelings when I worked with offenders.
0: Yeah, Crystal, I think you missed what Becky was putting down.
3: Oh, just about Tara. She needs to get on the podcast.
0: With Crystal.
1: Oh. Because together, your knowledge that would be an amazing
0: podcast.
4: Now yeah. we have a now we have a topic for for season three. As Ooh, you're tell going me, tell me what you want top, it to be. I would
0: love
6: offenders What
0: Which should the topic be for that podcast with you all coming on? Becky mm-hmm. can come on that. Becky's
1: working
4: yeah. with offenders too.
1: That's what I was going to say. Y'all've done therapy with offenders. I was um, a mental health associate but I still would, very much
3: involved I would as say I was getting my master's then. Okay. Sorry, Crystal. That's okay, true, pre- I, true prevention and why people do the things that they do. True prevention is talking to your kids about sexual offending, like, do you have these feelings? Do you ever think about this? Do you ever, like not at the end where kids gotta tell you it's already happened, or warning them about those things, but I don't know. That's something that I learned years ago, um, and it stuck with me. I mentioned it to my kids a few times, but it's hard to talk about with your kids.
0: Okay, well, yeah, because season three is going to be HodgePodge. That's the the name of the season, HodgePodge, because it's going to be um, – I'm reaching out to different TikTokers, different people on Facebook to ask them to be on, different people in the community. It's going to be just hodgepodge of trauma, sexual harm, just all kinds
1: of cool stuff. It should be called Raising Sexual Offenders because we're literally going to be doing that now and for the years to come with the porn that is so easily accessible The conversations that I've heard parents talk about right now about um, the sexual relationships that are happening with the teenagers or even the teens and what they consider normal and natural. Um, I mean, it's going to be off the chain. We're going to be raising sex offenders. We are yeah. raising sex offenders in the society now, and it's only going to continue to get worse.
0: Yeah. How's that for a truth unless
3: ball? Yeah, unless something's done drastically, just like climate change.
0: Wow, that is a spicy, spicy topic title, and I love it. I love it.
3: Write that down. One of the biggest things that I think we do to combat that with our clients, is the consent and asking permission. Um, that is the, I think that's the most simplest thing you can do as a parent. But, you know, we can go into that next season in the hodgepodge, season three.
1: <laughs> well, and even normalizing certain things about sexual responses mm-hmm. and behaviors. Because um, once they learn immediately through the porn and through a peers,
6: mm-hmm.
1: that is what, that is their normal. hmm And how are? And let's just say, traditionally, if we're talking about a male and a female being a couple, um, and we know that the male maybe more so has seen the pornography, if the girl doesn't have any type of education on what to expect, on consent, on what a kiss is like, on what just you know, the different steps of sexual intimacy, then she's going to think that's normal too. It's just. It's scary. Well, and shame. When you shame your kids about Ugh. sex
3: and sexuality, that's. Hmm.
1: It's scary raising kids or having, even if you're not raising kids, you know, if, if you're just a nice human being who cares about children in the world moving forward, um, what's our part? What's our role? How do you educate? What do you say? What do you do? What's too soon, too fast? What, I mean,
4: there's a whole plethora. You could do a whole season of it.
0: Yeah, that's
4: a lot. Which is what I feel like a lot of my clients struggle with in general is, is dating and what are the healthy steps? Like, should we be spending this much time together? Should we not be spending this much time together? Well, he's not texting me. So does that mean that he doesn't like me? Well, he's not, you know, calling me all the time. So he must not like me when it's, no, these are healthy boundaries and, you know, constantly reviewing different steps and what is okay and what is not okay and accepting the dating partner's boundaries too and recognizing everybody's boundaries and personal space and level of intimacy is different. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. But I always go back to, and I do this with like all my clients going back to, you know, saying that you're supposed to have 300 hours of communication, and that's communication supposed to be face-to-face or phone, voice-to-voice, no messaging, nothing, before you entertain, is this somebody I want to cons- continue to pursue a dating relationship with at that point? 300 hours is a lot, especially now when if you don't include like text messaging. And Tara, you forgot
6: to the counter...
1: The counterpart to that of, well, let's say my partner text messages me all the time. He must really like me. No, no, no. That is a power and control issue. If he's, if it's, where are you? What are you wearing? What are you doing tonight? Who are you hanging out with? Where are your parents at? What are you taking? um, When are you going to study? When are you doing this? And that can be totally taken depending on the partner of, oh, he or she really cares. They're texting me
0: every five minutes. yes no way I know that when I was dating Robert before we got married um I went one whole day and I didn't respond to his text like eight hours like I was like let's just see what happens did not respond waited till that night and it was just a good morning how's your day going that was the text right he did it every day I waited eight hours I was like what the And at the end, uh, I got home that night and I was like, "Um, it was a really busy day. Thanks for asking. And he responded back maybe an hour later. Well, I'm glad you're home and safe now. I was like, ooh, I like this. (laughs) All right. I was like, nobody's up in my business. Nobody's asking me, like, what are you doing? Who are you with? I ain't got time to tell you enough stuff. That's my personal business. Go on, move along. But then when you think about, like, what's a healthy dating life? Well, let's just add spiciness to that podcast for next season. Uh, What about neurodivergent people? Because think about all of the healthy relationship information, all the dating, that's all skewed toward neurotypical. You know, and I remember I struggled when Robert and I were dating. I hated talking on the phone because I talked on the phone eight hours for my job and people. Right. I was done. And, you know, back then, you know, he had not really acknowledged that he was on the spectrum. And he loathed talking on the phone. He only did that because he thought that's what I wanted. And so like a month in, I said, look, I don't want to talk to you every day. It's not that I don't like you. It's just, that I don't have the capacity. And he was like, oh, thank God. I, I hate talking to them." And I will remember quite clearly, many of my friends were like, that's awful. You all should be talking every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, maybe, maybe something's wrong with me if I don't, right. But So like, look at that, just this, we have built mental health on a white
6: neurotypical model.
3: Male too, because they are the grandfathers mostly.
0: Yeah. So that'd be interesting to do what would be considered a healthy dating life for a neurodivergent and for a neurotypical. Look at that. Who who wants to join on that one?
1: This is all very interesting to me because I can even, I can even whether it's personal or professional when we're talking about consent and healthy relationships. And if I'm asking about, and we're doing boundaries, it's well, has, has there been a conversation about dating? Are you guys just only dating each other? And so many people just assume, well, yeah, okay. Well, did you guys have that conversation? Well, no. Then why do you think that you guys are being monogamous with each other? Because that opens a whole nother conversation. Maybe you don't want to be and That's also fine, right? But then for me, it's like, are we talking about protection? Have people been tested? Um, do they think that you're being monogamous? And they're like, just consensual a conversation, putting it on the table so you can make choices that are best for you.
6: Oh, I can't wait for season three. I'm super excited
0: now. <laughs> I, I keep threatening, like threatening, like threatening air quotes that I think we should like do the zooms and like put it on our YouTube channel so people can see our reactions. That's <laughs> hilarious. I love watching everybody's reactions. Oh my gosh! Any other uh, takeaways from this amazing group of people as we're quickly coming to a close of our hour together? Any other takeaways um, from the last year? Start by listening.
1: You to bomb. <laughs> Thanks for doing the podcast and inviting us to be on the episodes. Um,
4: it's a pretty cool experience. Now, if you can just do my next request and make a bunch of meditation CDs and put that on a YouTube channel of just your voice, you know, that would be nice too as well.
0: Oh my gosh.
4: I know. There's so many a things list I need you to do. <laughs> See, I, I have support backing me on that one. I know. Who has time? Have y'all looked at my schedule? Have you looked at my calendar?
0: <laughs> Well, actually, though, with uh, the summer, because, you know, we take the summer off of the podcast, but um, Shelby is going to be joining me next season. So she's going to be my like co-host, which I'm super excited about. Um, we're just going to be planning. So I might actually have some time on Thursdays to do some meditations. That'd be nice to get out into nature, you know, go to the park, go to Yellow Creek Park and videotape stuff and then dub my voice over it. Okay. So. Y'all might get your wish. (laughs) Oh, well, it has definitely been a season. I think this has probably been my favorite season because it's been real world. It's been application. It's been uh, knowledge bombs being dropped and lots of awareness, too. I mean, when Marcy and I did um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, that was a tough one for us, like that was very tough for us because we were learning about the history and researching it. And we both like totally went dorsal like during the podcast. Um, and we acknowledge it in the moment too. Yeah, that was hard. Marsha shaking her head like, Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a beautiful season. It's been a beautiful season. Well, any final words uh, for our listeners out there? Anything that, You want them to know about new beginnings or um,
6: about sexual harm?
0: No, you're like, yeah, we got it covered, (laughs) y'all. Well, I so appreciate every one of you all. um, And I so appreciate Emily, even though she's not here with us today as well. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you for being my co-pilots, my co-hosts. My partners in crime. Um, thank you for challenging me always to think something different. I um, really do appreciate that. And so this is us signing off for season two, and we'll be back in August of 2022 for season three. That I think we're going to call Hodgepodge, or maybe even something different. You know. So as always, uh, stay frosty and. You can change the world tomorrow just by listening today. Be peaceful. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026 awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.u-r-i-a-h-w-i-l-d-e-dot-com and finally we want to give a really special shout out to rodney newton for being our amazing technical advisor he has spent several saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going rodney you are our captain and finally we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call. 1-800-226-7273